Now activating the Beast Node, hosted by Travis Lochner. Are you ready? If you listen and take action, the following few moments may change your life. The world needs you now more than ever. Yeah. What do you want to be remembered for? What is your true purpose on this earth? You were meant for greatness. Does this hit an emotional chord? Yeah. I can help you change your future. Have a greater purpose in life. Your soul is screaming for you to answer your true calling. Initiate upload to listener in three, two, one. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jonathan Palmar. Johnny boy, welcome to the Beast Node. How are you doing down there in Miami, man? I am doing fantastic here in Miami, and it just feels like just such a perfect fit. You know, I've, I've known Travis for quite some time now, and by, you know, in internet years, it feels like forever. But, you know, with everything going on in society... It's great to have people like him that you can connect with online and uh, build those relationships with. 100% with you. That's exactly why you are in this seat, man. Uh, this year has been insane. Insane for all the listeners in the future uh, listening to this. We're right in the peak of COVID crisis 2020, um, and it has been such a wild year. Um, but Jonathan himself has also had an amazing year because this dude came out of nowhere uh at least on my radar i feel like i'm pretty in tune with the social world uh and he has such an impressive and interesting story so from everything that i've absorbed in your existing interviews and content that you have out there and there's plenty of it you really come from this traditional household immigrant family old school American dream. And the most interesting piece of this story was your journey towards professional wrestling as Torch Boy. Uh, and this was such a, this was a big piece of your story that resonates with me. And I think with a lot of people, cause you were just living the dream, pursuing a dream. And at some point, that dream had to pivot and you had to <laughs> snap back to reality <laughs> and uh, kind of get things together, went back to like, all right, got to figure out a nine to five. And then recently, out of, the, out of nowhere this year, it looks like you're jumping back into media and entertainment world back uh, closer to your original story. And I think this is something I really would love to tap into, just this upbringing and where you've really came to today and unpacking this situation because there's something special going on under there and we definitely are here to unpack it. So what I'd love to do is start getting a lifestyle download of, of the human behind the beast over there. Um, so can you just give me a snapshot scene of your family growing up or a favorite day of your childhood or just a, a normal day? Just bring us to that moment, what was it like to grow up in, in your household and your family? One word, fear. Like it's it's super interesting when you have a, like very overprotective parents, just to contextualize it. I remember I was in kindergarten and uh, life changed forever. Like my life was impacted forever in one moment. I was uh, supposed to be, I was supposed, my mom was supposed to pick me up from kindergarten. And uh, 
I guess for whatever reason, there was another Jonathan in the room and they put me on a school bus and I wasn't supposed to be taking the school bus. So they were about to leave me. Who knows at whose house? So from that moment, luckily mom caught me. I was like four or five years old. Mom caught it before it happened. But since that moment, like I, I lived a very sheltered life because that fear was always in the back of their mind that they could lose their son. Right. So um, every very sheltered childhood. Uh, I was definitely a uh, I wasn't allowed to go to, you know, your traditional sleepovers or hang out at a friend's house. Um, yeah, I came from a very, like, religious background. Parents are very, very religious, uh, very conservative in nature. So, um, yeah, like, childhood was not what I would consider to be the most exciting but what I loved about as soon as I, I was exposed to it, what I loved about professional wrestling is these larger than life characters. Now, my, to give some context, my, my dad to this day is still bigger than me. He's a very large man. And uh, as a child, it was very intimidating. So a lot of what I did is I took these superheroes, these professional wrestlers, and I tried to channel that energy. And, you know, I projected a lot of, you know, what I wanted uh, through them. I, I live very much like vicariously through them. So, you know, as I was growing up, these heroes were just like, they were like idols to me. So, you know, when I had the opportunity to live it out, um, I did everything I possibly could to build my body, to gain the confidence. I was bullied a lot as a kid because, I, you know, at that time, wrestling was not in style. So, you know, through the bullying, through all of that negative, um, through all of the, those negative experiences, it really helped frame who I became. So, you know, what I love about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is he's like such a, a vis visualization guy. Basically, everything that he's um, he's ever dreamed of doing, he visualized, and then he just took actionable steps to get there. So, basically, I followed the same framework. Whatever it was that I wanted to accomplish, you have to have the ability to visualize that and then create the actual actionable steps to get there and that's all i did and the rest mm. has been just sheer luck running into the right people running into the right coaches um and then yeah it's almost like uh you know you you almost live in this like dream world but you want to believe that the hard work is in the end is what helped to get there how soon did this visualization visualization start kicking in? Uh, you were mentioning this. This is typically a higher level, like Tony Robbins, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Thing. Uh, but as a kid and growing up, you're already kind of recognizing and realizing this. Uh, how early was that? Uh, eight years old. Eight years old. Early. I already started. Really? No. Yeah. Yeah, I already started developing kind of like the framework in my mind. Okay, like this is what it's going to take. By 14, I want to be this. And by 15, I want to be that. And by, you know, the thing is that I've always been very creative. Like from childhood, I didn't have a lot of friends. I, I you know, I didn't have any friends. So a lot of time, and, and mom and dad really didn't let us go out. So I just kind of like lived in a dream world. That, that helped my creative abilities. And I really owe all of that to my ability to develop uh, content for social media now is all of those years of, of that creativity just bottled all up inside of me. But, it, you know, it's it, it started with that. When I was very, very young, I was already kind of like putting the, the tools in place and the rest was just reading books, like living in a dream world. I was a terrible student, horrendous <laughs> student. But, you know, when it came to the things that I really loved to do, like I did not play, I didn't play around with them. I knew exactly what was going to happen. 
No, that's that's a super interesting piece that really resonates with me as I've kind of followed your story. That that young start of following that passion, that dream. Um, I put on my first pair of skates for hockey four years old, and it was wow. off to the races since then. Uh, it was all I thought about ever since then. And what I realized that I'm sure is very similar to the wrestling journey is there's these tiers of commitment that you really have to just kind of continually level up. Eventually it's low effort, a couple practices a week, then it's practice every day of the week, games every week, and then at that elite level, it's just your whole life 24-7. And you mentioned something about your school and your student, which what you should be doing as a kid, um, really wasn't performing great. So was this something that you were playing kind of a balance game of school versus wrestling? Because um, I know that was a huge equation in my head that's difficult to balance, especially if you are trying to make it, quote unquote. Right. And it's like uh, that's that's what I recognize to be like even today. It, it often works to my detriment is because I'm so hyper focused in one area everything else suffers. And I don't know. I don't know if it's it's a successful way to live your life or not. I think that it's, you know, that that's where I think that you need to you need to be surrounded by the right team, the right people, have the right partner. That, you know, one of the benefits that I've had uh, working with Shay and, and, and becoming a, a great friend of hers is that she allows me to um, focus my attention where I'm going to be the most effective. There's so many bosses, there's so many, you know, businesses today that they try to, you know, fit a square hole into a round peg, hoping that the person is successful at whatever they're doing. And one of the things that I've found is, you know, when we allow people to do their best work in the way that they do it the best, they can make so much more of an impact. Because I remember, you know, my former employer, when they were looking at everything that was happening, they were just like, like, you have no experience. How can you, you know do this task without the, but it's the fact that, you know, if, if people knew me and, and put trust in their employees, put trust in, you know, um, the people that are, are surrounded by them, you'd be surprised how much they can accomplish if you empower them. So, yeah, I know that's moving a little ahead, but mm. you know, I, I had to mention it. No, I mean, that's, uh, I'm zeroing in on that pivot point. Um, cause I realize I know for me, it was at college hockey by the time I had reached college hockey, I had known, I'm not going to make it, but I had obviously enjoyed the journey, every piece of it, learned so much. So I'd be curious to hear, let's try and zero in on that pivot point right. of you've been pursuing wrestling. You, uh, you've had some matches uh, with Chris Jericho in the <laughs> yes. ring, and there's like uh, just it's, it's so close and you're leveling up, but you have this, eventually there's this realization, especially when it's, there's an elite level like that where you're just not going to make the cut. Can you bring us to that moment? What was that moment like? I, I don't talk about this a lot because I don't, I guess I, sometimes I don't get the opportunity or it's because it's a lot of, you know, self-awareness that I've recognized now. Now that I'm succeeding at something else, I, you can really pinpoint, okay, well, this is why that didn't work out. This is why this did, you know? So a lot of it is, is that important context. So, you know, as it applies to that, um, I, I realized that it was fear. It was fear. I, you know, the people that I had surrounded myself with were not the most encouraging. They, and you know, I remember my dad said, you know, I will write you a $5,000 check if you hang up your wrestling boots today, you know, like, and when your own family says this, it doesn't even under like, and this applies to even LinkedIn, social media, all of that today. You know, if you have the people closest to you discouraging you, 
or making you feel shameful about the decision you made. It doesn't matter if everybody in the WWE says you're great. It doesn't matter if you have an audience that loves what you're doing. Um, if the people closest to you that, that, that love you the most are the one, not the ones endorsing you, it's very challenging to continue to move forward because if those people that know you the best don't think it's the right decision for you, especially parents that you, you would assume that they would know what's best, it because you're, you know, you're fighting uh, such a strong current no matter how many people you have rowing you forward. Wow. No, this is a huge piece uh, that I, I'm actually grateful I didn't experience on the hockey side, but I have experienced in the music side of pursuing that passion and the resistance of people pulling you back right. is so interesting. Right. Um, what, bringing back, you back to that moment, what would have been one thing you could have done different to change that situation or that trajectory? I wish that I had one person, like a coach, you know, kind of like a Shay, just one person in my life that would have just said, just keep going. You know, don't, don't, mm -hmm. don't worry about what other people are saying. Don't worry about, you know, this self-doubt. Just keep going. Like, don't, don't give up. You, you already smelled it. You know, people that have never been there, people that have never like lived out a dream or had these types of successes, they don't know what it's like. You can't take advice from people that have never been there before. So, you know, the, the value or the benefit of surrounding yourself at least with one person that can understand your journey or understand, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, they can tell you, okay, out of, and this is the, the power of a mentor. The power of the mentor is to be able to look at the situation objectively and say, you know, either you should carry on or maybe it's, it's time to pivot, create a different direction. But because I didn't have that, I walked away from a dream that I was way too close to. Wow. Now that is a big piece. Uh, I think a lot of people really underestimate that advice and that criticism. We need to be really mindful of where that's coming from and exactly why. Um, one of the simplest ways that I've kind of simplified this equation is never take criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from. Right. Because right. often they're not the same person. Right. Um, so that that's where that mentorship, I, I, I think that you're seeking or needing, um, really would have been that key reflection point rather than really high value opinions that aren't quite competent on the subject and kind of the, the matter um, to pull you away from that. So I guess to, to anybody that is listening and experiencing that in as an artist, as an athlete, as anything that you're pursuing your dreams, obviously there's a threshold of realism um, you want to keep in mind. But keep in mind where that criticism and where that fear and advice is all coming from. Um, because it may shift the trajectory of, of where you're heading. Right. So uh, super interesting. Um, so that first pivot that you made was, from my understanding, very similar to what your dad was just mentioning. Like, all right, bud, mm -hmm. <laughs> time to hang up the, yes. <laughs> your, yeah. uh, your, your mask, your suit, your yeah. everything. Yeah. And you just went and got a nine to five. Yeah. You just went back to normal life. You went to forensic accounting <laughs> about the least entertaining oh my gosh, tell uh, me about it. exciting area you could land as a wrestler entertainer how uh how was that adventure and um 
really what obviously we all need to pay the bills i'm i'm assuming that was a, a primary piece of that um but really after you made that pivot how was that feeling of get just going back and getting an office job and working was it something that felt normal did it feel weird it, it feels good to know like okay so it was actually you know to be honest and i think i've developed a narrative where it wasn't all that great because it is a little bit of a you know a, a, a boring topic but I did learn a lot of valuable lessons through the experience. One of them being is that I have the ability to do it. And I think that's super important. I think a lot of the fear that people have is that if, if they don't, you know, and this is why people turn to drugs and people turn to other things. Like when you've been in the spotlight and you have to kind of live like an average life, you know, what is that going to be like? I can't even consider doing that is, is what a lot of people that I was surrounded with would say. So, you know, they would turn to like stripping and all that other stuff because it's just like, they're still trying to focus on the entertainment just at a lower level. But I completely pivoted, went to working like in business and doing kind of that thing. I, I needed to know that I had the ability to do it if, you know, gun to my head, I have to pay the bills, I can do this. So that was powerful. Number two, I was able to go back to school, finish my degree. You know, not that I thought it was worth the amount of money I had to put into it, because it wasn't, to be honest, but it, it teaches you dedication, it teaches you, you know, like grit, the ability to complete a task. And now it's serving me relatively well because I learned a lot of administrative tasks that are that are working in my favor, right? So, you know, th- those types of elements were important. But in the end, it was almost to prove to my parents that despite the fact that I was a terrible student, um, I could continue and, and finish that, you know? So, um, but here's the thing about that. Here's the thing that I'm learning now throughout this year is, you know, that type of validation that we feel like we need from specific people can also be so toxic because, you know, when you're trying to um, just satisfy mom and dad, but you're not living your truest form, you know, um, you really have to question, like, here's the thing, people don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, the, we, we love to romanticize the story and say, you know, I did it. I got my degree. Aren't you guys? Isn't everybody so proud of me? We need to make it a national holiday. I got my degree. And the reality is, is that life goes on. And, you know, um, I remember it was a moment uh, like I wanted my parents to be there for their like my graduation. And, and they had planned like an anniversary at the same time. So they weren't even there. And but it was so powerful for me because it made me recognize the fact that people just it's just not that serious. People like we we need to stop romanticizing things because it's it's really about how we feel about it. It's about us. It's about, you know, congratulations to me for finishing this task. If you're if you're trying to get that external validation, it's you're going to be let down every single time because it's not it's not going to mean they weren't there for you when you were like studying four or five hours. They weren't in the room. They didn't live it. So, yeah, you know, don't don't put people on a pedestal to that degree because they will disappoint you. No, that's hugely critical now seeing the kind of the context of that transition and a big piece that you mentioned that I'd love to zero in on and double down on is extracted value and extracted lessons of anything that you're pursuing in this world, whether it's your dream or it's the most boring nine to five you've ever had, there's value to be extracted to take with you into future ventures. Um, And that's a huge thing from wrestling, sports, art, any creative thing. 
you can pool from all those prior experiences in so many ways. So um, that's a huge piece. I'm glad to hear that it wasn't uh, just entirely neglected. Like, oh God, I guess I got to do this, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but you seem to you killed that too. So you crushed it in this category, and obviously you've built a stable life, a stable family around. I'm assuming a lot of that work. Yes. And now what I'm seeing is the double pivot. Here comes the pivot again, because out of nowhere this year, you're jumping back into media. I can't go a single week without seeing your videos popping up around uh, social media. So something is happening over there. And I would love to hear what is this next pivot? To me, it feels like you are getting cl back closer to your media and entertainment side that you started, but finding a higher value purpose to put forth those skills. Is that, is that something, uh, what's brewing over yeah, there? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in, in your world, it's, it's just like, uh, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in destiny. Um, I do believe that there is a God out there, you know, that, that does look out for us. And, um, yeah, like it was, it was lazy. It was the middle of last year. Um, I got like just the, the worst news of my life. It was, I was absolutely devastated because when you're living this nine to five life, sometimes doesn't feel like it really has purpose because you're just, you wake up every Monday, you go to work, whether the work is enjoyable or it's not enjoyable, you know, lo and behold, Monday through Friday, you're committed to this weekend. You, you have to enjoy it yourself. So, you know, life is very standard, but you start questioning, okay, well, why am I here? I just turned 30 years old. I was trying to figure out like, what is my purpose? What's my life going to, what is my life story going to be that I was a professional wrestler that I became an accountant and that was it. Like, it's just like, there has to be more to this life, right? So uh, me and my wife at the time, like we decided to have kids. So um, we, we, we were trying and, and it just, something wasn't working. Something wasn't right. I mean, you, you recognize it quite quickly, you know, every, everybody else that I remember, it was like Christmas time and everybody was pregnant and we had been anticipating it. We had been getting excited about the concept that we would also have a child and it, it wasn't the Christmas gift that we were hoping for. It wasn't happening. So went to a doctor only to find out that I could not have kids. And it was just the most heartbreaking, uh, devastating moment of my life. You know, I could take the, the path of, of doing a bunch of therapy or, you know, and I have been doing it regardless, but I was absolutely devastated. So I really started to question my own existence, you know, like this existential crisis, which goes along with turning 30. A lot of people experience this. So, um, yeah. As I went through that whole experience, like I, I felt like I needed to do something, you know. So my dad wanted to rebrand his company, his forensic accounting firm. So you know, we started developing video content for LinkedIn, and um, I recognized that I wasn't particularly good at it at that moment. I had a lot of energy, but I needed to concentrate it. I needed it to to direct it in a way that be effective. So I reached out to Shay Robottom. I did her program, and that developed my framework. And then it's just like, like almost like miracle. Like it's just like, like storybook type of destiny. Um, I had success with it very, very quickly. And since then it hasn't slowed down. It was powerful enough where last month I was able to let go of the forensic accounting forever and just say to myself, okay, th this is, this is going to be my life now. And you find that, you know, you start bumping into people. And the biggest thing is, you know, you do experience a little bit of that imposter syndrome because you have, you know, Shay at the end of the day, she has, you know, like over five years of experience at the very least doing this. I started this six, six to eight months ago. 
So, you know, wow. yeah, like it's it, it's not very long. It hasn't been very long, but it's storybook in the way that I, I was able to, I, I had just like the, the darkest moment of my life, but it also led to one of the most powerful. So if anybody out there is going through a difficult time or really questioning where you are in your life, like you'd be surprised how things can turn around for you very quickly. <laughs> Wow, that is so brilliant now to hear the the double pivot come into life. Um, I'm very familiar with the double pivot. I did not uh, pull it off as successfully as you, but probably because oh, <laughs> my initial pivot from hockey to music was not realistic. It was from pipeline dream to another pipeline dream. Of course. Um, and the again, the, the values you the lessons you learn are really with a the value there. And it's awesome to see how much value you've extracted from what could just be a plain Jane boring, like work your life away for ever yes. type of situation. Um, so that's awesome to hear how quickly you were able to recognize that. And then now bring it into what you're doing now. So uh, to whatever degree uh, you'd like to, I'd love to hear a little bit of your personal and professional life of like how you jump into your day to day. Um, you are performing at just like a ridiculous level. And I'm curious where the hours come from or how this all comes to fruition. So um, what exactly are the things in the, in the business side that are producing revenue, producing business and moving the needle in your life right now? So much of it is, the, the thing is, is that it's, it, it is scary. It is scary when you decide to invest everything into um, a, a form of work where nothing is guaranteed. It's all on you, right? So it is, it is up to me to make the most of every day. It's up to me to make the most out of every opportunity, every podcast, every video, everything that I do. I have to make the most of it because it's all on me now. And it will determine my pay where when you work for an employer, it's just like if you're having a bad day, and you're just like, eh, you know what? Like, I'll just I'll shoo it in today. I, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll send a bunch of emails, but I'll look busy. You know, like busy work is very you know, a part of like a traditional job, you know, you just look busy. You don't always have to be the most productive, but now it's just how can I maximize every single hour of the day to help build that ultimate goal? Because, you know, we're, we're not where we want to be. Typically that's kind of how it works, but we have to, especially when it's all on you, you have to kind of like take those steps forward and you also have to validate your existence. So, you know, like when I started helping Shay immediately, she put me in a position that I didn't think that I was prepared for. So I had to do like a lot of catching up in a very short period of time to ensure that all of her clients could see me as, you know, this individual that she put me in the position of. So, you know, a lot of it was imposter syndrome. It was feeling like I didn't deserve to be in the spot that I was. So um, that, you know, that was an, an element to it. But it's just, uh, I, if there's one thing, like I, I do not sleep very much right now. But, you know, like that romanticized journey that you hear of the Elon Musks, you hear about the Jeff Bezos, the Gary Vaynerchuks, you know, the Tony Robbins, you understand that in order to achieve that greatness, you know, you have to, and, and that's the biggest lesson I've taken from all of this, you have to be willing to do what nobody else does. And when I go through, you know, LinkedIn is kind of like my, you know, home platform. When I look around and I, I compare my content to everybody else's, if I can say, if I can scroll for five minutes and I can say that I put more time into my post than anybody else, guaranteed, then I feel like, okay, I did my job. And I really do feel like that's why 
I'm standing out right now because I know without a shadow of a doubt, nobody, nobody is putting a, as much effort into their content as I am. This, uh, I can confirm from a third party <laughs> that that is Unbiased. very likely true. <laughs> um, uh, no, this is super interesting to dive into the, because the, to me, what I'm seeing on the outside is every hour that you are investing is extremely valuable or has high ROI. There's a counterpoint to this conversation of where you could have the same conversation of, I don't get much sleep or I hustle all night and do whatever. Right. You're not getting shit done. Right. So what are the things that you try to keep top of mind so that you're staying in that hot, low input, high ROI category rather than the hustle culture. I'm hustling because Gary V told me to, and it's cool. Like, uh, there's a, there's a fine line there and it can easily tip one way or the other for better or worse. What's your, I guess, approach to keeping that in balance? Um, I, I don't, I don't know if it's the best advice, but there's good advice within it. So I focus almost all of my attention on the most external factors pertaining to branding and, and, and the work that I'm doing. So, you know, when, when I'm kind of framing my day, framing my week, I ask myself, okay, wh- like of all of the things I'm doing, what is the most visibly impactful? Like my, my, my videos. Okay. Those, you know, are, are top of funnel. Like those are the top level because, you know, those are the revenue generators, right? Those are what's going to generate leads for the company. So that has to be, you know, at the top of my list. It's so interesting because you look at a Shay and like now that I, that I spend more time with her on a personal level, you know, she will literally just say, hey, John, let's make a video. And I'm like, okay, um, well, I need six hours to write my script, but then th- then we can make the video. That's fine. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just going to like turn on the camera now. And I'm like, like, I'm panicking. I'm like, I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, I can't do that. And she will just like go. And it is so incredible to see somebody that is naturally, naturally like prodigy level gifted at coming up with like great content on the fly. That's like LeBron James, where I'm like more of like a Dwayne Wade, where I've got to like practice hours and hours and hours to like be able to get that jump shot. So, you know, it's it's really interesting to see people that are naturally talented. But like I said, I, I focus most of my attention on like the the external things. And then another thing that I've learned from Shay is that, you know, you, you do a lot of uh, delegating. So a lot of those tasks that might not be the most useful of my time, I have a team of individuals that I can hand things off to. And man, like what a powerful thing that I was not aware of, you know, to be able to use those things. So that's kind of how how I frame things throughout the day. Okay. No, that's uh, super, super critical. I see the common thread in, in many high performers is being extremely strict and rigid about that schedule and where you're allotting those hours um so yeah not surprised to see uh see that coming from your world uh in that i might already know the answer to this question knowing Mm -hmm. how many hours you don't sleep but at some point you clock out hypothetically yes yes what do you do after work, your evenings and weekends that are supposedly personal time. I have a personal life section here to tap into, like, what do you consume? What do you do? Um, so what are things, after you're not working, what do you want to do with your life and with your time? This is going to sound so terrible, but I think it, it helps that it's social media because 
I'm constantly consuming content. And I guess like I could say that's, that's what I do in my, my free time. Like th this sounds terrible. Like, so my free time consists of going to the gym, which most people would also view as work because it's, it's, it, it, it's effort. Right. And then the rest of my time I'm, I'm spending on social media, figuring out what people are, what people are talking about, what people care about. Right. So, um, I like, for example, there was like this program that I've been wanting to watch and like, I'll go through the process of telling myself, okay, well, I'll see it this week. Okay. Well, I'll see it all, like this week. And then I looked at a calendar and I realized like, I had taken a screenshot of it on my phone, like the program to ensure that I didn't forget to watch it. And when I went back, like I was scrolling, I was looking for something and I saw that I took the photo in April and I was like, I still have, <laughs> I took that picture in April, like, and I still haven't seen it. So that well, kind of like encapsulates, <laughs> that encapsulates like where my life is right now. And it would take an hour to watch it. It's just, I haven't had that free hour in, in as long as I can remember. Now this is, so this is interesting. I mean, it fits, uh, the direction I was expecting to go that, uh, coincidentally, the next question is what do you consume and understanding the question of what do you consume is really a, in your context, social media type right. of micro content, uh, was intentionally expecting maybe Netflix shows mm -hmm. like stuff like that. But I've heard you mention you haven't watched Netflix in years or months. It's like, been a long time. Is yeah. that really, is that an exaggeration or is this like, are you literally deprived of Netflix <laughs> in this moment? Like, it's just so weird in this world. Like, I'm even like, f consider myself fairly productive, uh, very rigid with my schedule. I still sneak in some Netflix like pretty often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no so, legitimately. Yeah, legitimately. Wow. Yeah, since like I said, you know, like the last time I, I feel like I really had some some free time was was around March. I, I wasn't working for Shea yet. So like I, I still had somewhat, you know, I was in the building stages. I didn't have the fire under me. I didn't have like the purpose necessarily. I was just making videos that I enjoyed making, right? So, you know, I was just enjoying the process. But since I came onto this, I recognize you have a golden opportunity and you need to make every single second work in your favor because that's that's what's going to get you to where you want to go, right? So eventually mm -hmm. the world has to return to normal. You want to ensure that you're coming out of this, this situation as close to the top as you can because, you know, competition will pick up, so... Yeah. And even uh, I think a key piece to zero in on there is the word ensure. Yeah. Um, whether you there's so many people that are struggling looking for any type of job and this is now their first week or their first month in developing content, building a personal brand, right. t touching up their LinkedIn profile or right. whatever, all the stuff that is moving forward i think personal branding is really going to be more of your resume rather than that kind of that old school process you're hoping you impress somebody on a piece of paper right right <laughs> um so this piece that you mentioned that insurance essentially is a huge piece whether you need it now or not is a completely other category Correct. but um that insurance piece i do see paying off continuously so very interesting to hear your side as a consumer uh no netflix on the menu um <laughs> but we'd now. love to hear switching over to maybe the creator side the creator uh part of your heart um obviously you create tons of video content and creative content in that world are there any other mediums that you mess with and just in the world of art or music or writing or just any 
what do you create? What else do you create in this world? Right. So <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, the thing is, is that like as you're developing content, and the more influence you gain, the more people are looking at you. Now, now you're like you're in the fishbowl, right? And everybody's kind of like walking around the fishbowl, but you're also kind of like at the top of the mountain, let's call it, right? So, you know, like everybody's striving to also be where you're at. So, um, you know, what I've learned through this experience is a lot of people are looking at you to, to, to figure out what they're supposed to talk about, which has been a very unique experience for me. People will reach out, they'll send messages, or even in the comment section, they'll ask like, what am I supposed to do? Or you see a lot of like look-alike posts, you know, a lot of content that looks kind of like mine. And it's like, you know, whether I want to take credit for it or not, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But the point being is that now you have to start looking for inspiration in other places, you know, because you know, people are looking at you to create the ideas, right? So, um, yeah, I, I do read a lot. I'm, I'm very into, um, like, uh, Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey. You know, I love stories like that. And again, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, this guy's getting annoying because he puts everything back on his work. But... Um, very important because the more executives that we talk to and we're developing content, you find that, you know, it seems like everybody has like a challenging childhood that they're not crazy happy about, right? Everybody's had their journey. Nobody wants to see the individual. And I think that's what people kind of confuse about LinkedIn specifically is, you know, we, we feel, or even social media, I guess in general, we feel like we always have to show the best versions of ourselves. We always have to show like what, what we think that people want us to be, you know, which is like this uber successful, you know, like executive that's, you know, done X, Y, and Z, you know, 30 years in business, whatever. And it's like, yeah, those things are important. But when it comes to content, if a movie started and Luke Skywalker just chopped the head off of Darth Vader in the first scene, it's like, okay, well, why am I going to invest my time in Luke Skywalker? Like he's already, he's done. His journey's over. So, so much of the fun, is, you know, why interviews like this are great is because you can document the journey. You can see the person transition as they move forward from who they were to who they're becoming. Right. So when it comes to content, you know, like I love watching a lot of stories like that, reading about stories like that, you know, because that type of framework, it works for a reason. Now, if we could take those stories and project them on a client or project them on, you know, somebody, um, that's like where, where the magic happens. So I love taking in, you know, storytelling, you know, whatever it is, even like Greek literature, I find it super powerful. People say it's like, you know, we obsess about all these self-help books. And then you find like, you know, in the, in the most like basic level, like, it all comes from literature, things talked about a million times over, philosophy. So, so yeah, you know, I, I focus a lot of my time reading, if anything. No, that's uh, another recurring thread we see uh, among high performers of being able to use that time so mindfully. Uh, last thing I'd love to tap into in this lifestyle download of yours, trying to unpack uh, your day-to-day -day life, is... What is one habit or action that is non-negotiable for you? Non-negotiable, you have to do it every single day. So um, every single day, a little more challenging. But what I think is more interesting is uh, Sunday after 6 o'clock and <clears throat> Wednesday after about this, Wednesday after 2 o'clock. I will literally from six o'clock at night till nine o'clock the next morning. That means all night, no sleep. I'm producing my video content so that I can post those two videos a week. Right. So, 
yeah, like from that point to that point, I just have it completely blocked off. And that's non-negotiable those two days. I'll catch up on sleep on the weekend. I'll catch up on some sleep, you know, that Thursday after like coaching sessions and things like that. But um, everybody knows like from that point to that point, like don't bother me. And I learned this really from Bill Gates. Bill Gates has like twice a year, he does these think weeks where he'll just like Mm -hmm. go into the woods and he'll get lost in whatever he's doing. And that's where a lot of his inspiration comes from. So, you know, I can't necessarily give away two weeks completely and and can't really travel right now anyways. And I don't, I don't have the finances to do it, but um, this is kind of like my mini version of taking that principle and and using that time to come up with future ideas, um, work on the content that I'm going to be producing that week, you know? So yeah, it's, it's a grind. I don't want to miss two nights of sleep forever, but it's a part of the process. And, you know, because I'm very picky. I don't like people editing my work. You know, I know that my process would be infinitely easier if people edited my work. Mm. But for me, this is really an art form. You know, it's this is more about art than than money. So, you know, and I do find that that helps pay the, this whole thing off is because people know that it's like I'm putting my heart and soul into the work. And I and I think it shows. So. Yes. No, this is such a brilliant piece to tap into because this is the soul of where this show and this community is coming from, this blend of art and business. Uh, it's such a difficult thing to navigate. And oftentimes, yeah, it's like mixing oil and water. It's yeah. a very non-traditional thing. The more businessy the art gets, you start hating it. The more artsy the business gets, you stop making money. So It's, it's, it's very left-brain, really- right-brain. It's like exactly <laughs> completely separate and sides. This is perfect, uh, perfect transition. Um, we'd love to switch from the lifestyle download to the advice upload for the listener here, because it's very likely they're they've been following a competitive pursuit, a artistic pursuit, a creative pursuit of some sort, but they haven't quite hit that connection. That right. heartfelt, like this is what I'm here for. That you've been mentioning. Let's start tapping into any advice that you have to get people on the right track. You've had these multiple pivots throughout your life. So have I. What are the first couple things that people either need to start doing or recognizing to get on this track? Right. Um, Like I think that you need to have like a burning desire to change something. Like I think that that's like bar none. You You have to have some type of burning desire. Like I... For example, like a very clear example, a lot of my content has turned into like Q&A sessions. Those Q&A sessions were built out of necessity. What I started to recognize is I had way, way too many messages in my inbox and I couldn't manage them anymore. They were making me stressed out. I felt like intense stress over that. So I recognized that I had a need. The need was I need to find a way to get rid of this thing. So I created a solution, which was doing a Q&A session. And then it's interesting how it has become kind of like my, my, my foundational piece of content. So, you know, I, I'd say like that's, you know, like innovation is born out of necessity, right? So if we can find things, if there's something in your life that makes you uncomfortable, consider like your personal strengths and how can I frame this in a way where I take the burden off of me, but I also turn it into this beautiful opportunity. That's a huge piece I think that so many people miss. Uh, And the simplified version that I've heard reinforced is from Simon Sinek. Start with why. Right. Start with why. Right. Simple equation. And I think that's exactly what you're tapping into is having that 
fuel, that passion, that anchor point to really pull you towards that is absolutely mandatory. I'm a hundred percent with you. I'm glad you were able to bring that up. Um, in that context, let's go the opposite direction of pitfalls or things to avoid. What is the biggest mistake that you see people making either in your industry or in this journey of kind of figuring, figuring things out and recalibrating your life on a trajectory that you want to be on? What do you think is the biggest mistake? Man, if I give this away, then everybody's going to like change their framework and then I'm going to have all this competition, (laughs) right? No, 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 no. not that serious. But um, one, one mistake that I see a lot of people make is that it, it almost goes to like the Simon Sinek thing because it's a, it's a perfect example. It's a perfect example. Um, Simon Sinek has become incredibly popular. Gary Vaynerchuk is incredibly popular. There's social media personalities that, you know, you will find that um, they do something and it works, but then other people try to replicate it. And you do find that for them it doesn't. And the reason why is, okay, number one, it's repetitive. And you're having somebody that's in a very high position say it first so like, why are people going to listen to you? One of the things that's, that's really helped me is developing unique messaging that stands out from, you know, it may have like, it might smell like somebody else, but it's unique in the way that I approach it. So, you know, like a perfect example, you, you know, you mentioned, John, it kind of sounds like start with why it kind of st- sounds like a Simon Sinek thing, but I framed it in a different way so that somebody else that might be listening, maybe it connects a little bit better with them. Like the, the example that I did, you know, so I, the, the first mistake that I see is everybody seems to be doing what everybody else is doing. Right. And the second thing is I see a lot of people look at a Gary Vaynerchuk and see that he does like a lot of lifestyle stuff. Like he does business advice, but you also have to remember like, where did he get his start? He's been doing this for a very, very long right. time. And he started like more of like a value-based model. He started like a lot of value-based and then he's kind of like shifted into what he talks about now, but it's all based off of experience. You know, he didn't build his brand talking about eating blueberries, right? Like that and sports cards. He didn't start there. He started like giving so much value that people became invested in him. So if you're talking about your personal life and how you love waffles and you, you feel like nobody's connecting with that, it's like, okay, you have to, you have to consider where that person started. If that person started by developing value and that's what kind of built their brand, now they can get away with more. But one of the reasons why I don't get super personal on my content is because I recognize the fact that I haven't scaled to the point where I can get away with that. A lot of people kind of like, you know, they'll make that shift immediately and wonder why people aren't are connecting with them on the thousands of level. But it, it starts mm-hmm. with value. You have to bring value first. Then you can start bringing little elements of yourself into the equation. No, that's a great piece. And I think the the time, the linear amount of time that needs to be considered is a huge piece. Because right. a lot of the stuff in the media world I see it operate on much more of an exponential curve where the ROI is pretty low for an extended amount of time. And then it has kind of that inverse effect where the rest of the work we do in the world is fairly linear. You do one more hour of work, you get like another more hour of of pay. Um, So jumping into that media, it is kind of hard to chip away at that. Um, But it is something that you have done successfully. Like you mentioned, six, eight months ago, you were just jumping in this game, and now I can't go a week without seeing your content somewhere. So what I'd love to unpack now that we have you in the advice upload of right. our listeners' ears right. is what formula, 
or system or process, uh, concrete uh, actions can people take? Like, what is this viral video system or setup you've got brewing over there? What's the secret sauce? What's the can secret we, sauce? Can we have some? Exclusive. <laughs> this is exclusive only here, yes. only on Travis's Beast Mode podcast. Am I going to share this? Uh, yeah, so... What I started to identify, and this is, I would go on, like, again, I, I spend a ton of time on, on, you know, all the social media platforms. What I started to recognize is people tend to fall into two categories, you know, and, and this is even, it goes back to Shay's framework, you know, like th this is proven method, Facebook, you know, uh, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, like they all kind of follow a similar path. Uh, a lot of people either do value-based content or they do you know, curated viral e content, right? So like, you know, content that they know is gonna get a lot, it's gonna draw a lot of attention. This is the mind frame. Let's put out a piece of content that's gonna get a ton of views. It's gonna get a ton of likes and comments, but it's not gonna feed the bottom line. It's just gonna bring attention to our brand, right? And then you have the other side, then they'll complement it with a piece of content that's very niche, but nobody really cares or gets invested in. So the hope, is that this audience that I built over here, it's almost like, let me give the person dessert first and then let's see if they'll eat the vegetables later, you know? Like, let's see if they'll recognize they need the nutrients as well. And it doesn't always work because then people get in the habit, like especially on some of the social platforms we use, when they see a bunch of viral content, they're like, I just want that person for this. I don't want them for that, you know, like the value-based information. So then people start falling into the trap of only building that, you know, viral content. And then they come to us and say, well, you know, I'm getting all this attention. Why is the ROI so low on, on my efforts? And then it's like I started to identify, okay, we have a really big problem here. We have, you know, like a lot of these people are starting to come out of the woodwork. So I started developing a framework where we can combine the two things, combine the content. So what I will start with, this is, the, I, it's literally a funnel. And I'll use an example of a client that I had. Client comes up to me. This was his social media post on Twitter. Let's see, I wrote it down. Okay, so, um, let's see. Security begins at home. What, fire, what firewall are you using to protect your family? Right. So that is a boring post. Nobody's going to get it's not going to get the attention of anybody. Right. So really quick. Um, I was like, I asked the client, like, where did you come up with this idea? Like, where did the, like what inspired you to say this? And he said, oh, well, my son came up to me and he said that he, you know, he was playing this game and he won ten thousand dollars online. And the dad was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, yeah, yeah, no. All I need is my Social Security number. And then, like, they'll give me the ten thousand dollars. And he's like, listen, he told his son. Have that guy, you know, if, if you want $10,000, they're going to be like, they're going to want to make this public. They're going to want to take a picture of you. They're going to come to us. They're going to come to our house. So like they're, 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 they're trying to take advantage of you. Right. So, um, that's what inspired this guy to do the post. So I was like, listen, we need to completely like, that is a great story. It's a, it's a relatable story. So I told him to reframe the post. I was like, listen, when you're posting a piece of content, start with that. My son comes up to me and he says that he won $10,000. Now I have people hooked because not only is it a relatable topic, but it's a, a it's a personalized story where people are like, oh, like, all right, you know, like this sounds like a ridiculous scenario. I want to hear more about it. And from there, we go through his personal story that he told his son, you know, I want I want to be at the door when somebody, you know, comes and presents this to you. Right. And so then I told him that's perfect. So now we are going to create. So now we have the viral story. A little bit of context, we made it personal. 
relatability, personal. And now we're going to make, now what we're going to do is we're going to create a shift. We're, we're going to pivot, right? So from there, here's the transition. Listen, what I did for my son, I could do for my clients. I want to be at the door when somebody tries to do this to you. Now, all of a sudden, he can, he can personalize it, but talk about his business a little bit. But we already captured their attention with this like very relatable story. And now it's like, okay, you know what? If this guy goes into commercial mode for 10, 15 seconds, I'll listen to what he has to say. And all of a sudden, you created something that generated revenue for him. But it all started with something that was a little bit more viral in nature. Mm, the hook. All about the hook. It is. Um, it is. And I see so many different creative ways uh, that that's utilized. So uh, really appreciate the the secret sauce being poured uh, all over the beast node. Uh, we'll definitely uh, zero in on that and get a formula together for the listeners. Right, um, absolutely. Bef yeah, before we wrap things up here, I just want to take a quick moment for deep appreciation and acknowledgement of what you've been doing is so impressive from afar. Um, it's so impressive as a friend, as a semi, used to be a competitor. I used to see this guy on LinkedIn all the time, <laughs> like, God damn it, he's killing it. Uh, but now he's been uh, in the mix more and more often and it's been truly, truly a pleasure to get to know you every time we get to talk, man. Um, with that said, we've got a listener here on the other side, just trying to level up their life. They're trying to get in beast mode. Do you have any final words or advice that you can share for our listener to go ahead and send things off? We all start with zero followers, zero social media presence, yet we all have a story that will impact someone. So the first thing that I would say is recognize the fact that you do have a voice. You do have a voice that people want to hear. I remember, you know, when I was like sleeping in a car and I didn't know where my life was going to go. You know, I was between one dream and another. You know, I had to kind of go through all those experiences. But I can say without a shadow of a doubt, all of those little experiences have, have, have gotten me to where I am right now. And I guarantee that you can do the same thing. There is nothing special. I've seen them at the highest level and where people are today. And it's, there's nothing different about any of us. It's just the work that we decide to put in, but it all starts with you taking that first step and recognizing the fact that you are powerful. You have a voice. People want to hear what you have to say. And as long as you can kind of mitigate those negative, those negative uh, impressions around you, uh, you will win. So just believe in yourself. Mm, love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Palmar. And audio experience. You're a beast.